everybody wants to be a part of the culture until it's time to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive. So we're having the uncomfortable conversations needed to spark the change right here, right now. We're your hosts, Ty Devereaux Lawson. And I'm Simeon Coker. And we say all the things you wouldn't. Welcome back to the Mixed Company Podcast. Simeon, it's the second episode for our new season. I'm proud of us. Our Serena break from it's not even Serena break because Serena evolved, but we're on a black (laughs) Serena said, "I'm done." I have a whole new life. Right, I'm growing. Right, or maybe it's a Michelle Obama glow up. Like we finished the first part, and now we are better and better than ever. Sure is. Latest a, a, a better sabbatical. Yeah. It's a better yeah. sabbatical. And the best part about it is already on our second episode, we're diving in with a special <laughs> guest who, by the way, shout out to text messages at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, because that's where the best ideas come from. And we have the luxury and opportunity of having the amazing, the immaculate Ooh. round of applause for the baddest to ever do it. Liv Lewis joining us today. You have to. If I don't introduce you like that, who will? Who will? Well, if we don't talk you, about I'm taking you everywhere. I'm just gonna have I'm gonna say go and then absolutely it's this is how in my mind this is how people were being introduced as they walked through the doors of, of bella noche shout out to those of you that remember <laughs> bella noche and everything in different um, but this is how we all get introduced when we go to bella noche live how are you you know i'm with you guys i am great life is generous i i just i love you guys mm. thank you for what you guys do mm. thank you for being family thank you for my random text messages this emojis i speak in emojis i have because i speak in emojis i speak speak with my face and like everybody can't always see my face face. yes my Mm -hmm. eyes literally did that like so 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 to give you context if you're listening literally uh simeon and i planned to record today um and there's so much going on that i was like well what are we about to talk about and that's what i woke up on my Mm -hmm. mind with and, you know, the way my Lord works, the way my universe works, That's the it. way whatever you believe in works for you, but works for me. Liv literally texted me this morning talking about, you know what we need to talk about? This would be a good podcast episode. And I was like, no, you have not because you asked not. And if you need a podcast episode <laughs> idea, you got to open it up to. So crazy. So crazy. Oh, oh. I was driving and I was running things. I was solving things in my head. I was like, this is to make a good and I said, so I'm mm. excited to talk about that, guys. Text we're therapy. gonna we're gonna get into a conversation around leadership, around how emotionally taxing and exhausting, but also I'm sure there are some points live for you, Simeon, for you, sometimes for me, where it's fulfilling, but it is emotionally um energy inducing. Like it takes mm-hmm. a lot to yeah. be a leader, and it takes a lot to be a, a a leader of color. But let me take it a step further. It takes a lot to be a black leader in this business Mm -hmm. especially in spaces that traditionally Mm -hmm. are not welcoming of just who are of our presence so can i nuance that for you what was that can i nuance that for you go ahead to be a black leader that is also cognizant of what needs to be done 
because there are some who don't care. <laughs> and so they're not, they may be dealing with emotional labor in, in covering themselves, mm. but I think because everyone on this call, because we all know each other personally, have an investment in making sure that the spaces that we exist in for ourselves are safe, but also we care about other people. So we want to make it safe for them. The labor is that, that much harder yeah. because it's not just for self. Be careful. Can, 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 yeah. let, me, let me add to that because there's a reason why we feel mm -hmm. this way, at least on this call, right? We're, we're uh, amongst friends, it, amongst mixed company. Um, because we were raised, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, and you, you know, know we, I'm African, so it's an extra, extra. We were raised, right, you know, to be considerate of the people in front of you, behind you, to the side of you, to the left of you, the ones that are coming before you and after you, and that consideration and um, uh, accountability to our responsibilities hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it hurts a weight. It is, it is, but Liv, I, 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 I'm not sure if you've listened to the show before. She's I'm gonna, been here I'm before. Gonna... It's a welcome back. It's a welcome back. I've been here. Well, I'm <laughs> at club. Yes, but that was a different format. So that was mixed company oh, okay. at club. But this is a little bit different, Liv. So Actually. the way we do the show is we always start with some current news, some current events mm -hmm. with Let's our go. dope shit and our ain't shit segment where we get to talk about what's happening in advertising entertainment culture crypto even what is going on in the world that you are vibing all the way high with or that they need to be told that they are not shit right. um i will i will go first and i actually want to give a uh, a dope shit shout out to the folks at the minnesota interactive marketing association mima um, I am actually going to be kicking it with them in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, shout out to Jimmy Jazz, Janet Jackson, Prince, like the whole 1980s flavor um, means a lot, but I'll, I'll be joining them for their key for their annual keynote on March 30th um, to really just talk about some of the things that I've been uh, uh, mulling over the last couple years which is y'all, we need to take our jobs a little bit more seriously in, in marketing you know, mm -hmm. we go through this, we go through this thing that happens when we are getting emotional, when it is a little heavy, where we try to tell ourselves like, well, we're not saving lives. We're not curing cancer. You know, it's not really that important. But the reality is the more I look at the news, the more I look at media in general, the more I look at people outside, I recognize the impact that we have and how much right. has shifted in culture uh, since I've at least been in this business, you know, We've gone from not uh, having uh, not having a lot of 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 black faces or colorful faces uh, in commercials, and and we're a little bit more considerate about that now. Um, we've gone from a place where you had to be a size zero to be casted for anything, and thank God for me and my love for food and the weight gain over the last fifteen years. But people that are sized a little bit closer to what I look like are on TV. But I also see, um, you know, from the negative impacts of it where we've kind of uh, shooed away the importance of journalism in, 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 uh, in media and how that has translated to this fake news culture that we've kind of bred where you don't need to be rooted in facts. It's really just about how you feelings over facts is 
is new yeah. and that has transpired into how we see our, our politics. So there's a lot to go on there. I'm really going to get into it and say the things. Um, my hope is I don't get fired from mm -hmm. my job or <laughs> that I don't get a ban from Minneapolis or Minnesota, but I'm excited to see all the folks I haven't seen in the last five years. Um, and also excited to just say all the things that no one ever would because y'all ski it. <laughs> Much necessary. Absolutely. Anybody got a dope shit or ain't shit? I I have two. I'm going to start with the, the dope shit because I think today may get a little heavy. And uh, Levi's is celebrating their 150th year anniversary. And mm, we're, yes. we're all lovers of the Caribbean and part of the Caribbean culture here. I already know where you're and going. So dope. One of their spots, uh, which is called One Influential Island in the Greatest Story Ever Worn, Precious Ooh. Cargo, um, is centered around a story of Jamaican fishermen mm -hmm. who imported. Mm -hmm. uh, one, 501 Levi's jeans into Jamaica um, in the 70s. And I think it's one of the dopest spots that Ever. I've seen in a long time. Wow, a long time. I ain't saw what I was saying. It's like a long time. I said when I saw it. It was so good. Really? The, who did, who the, did the work? Um, yeah, I think it was joke. Yeah, but Melina Matsukis is a director, so I'm, I'm going to focus on, <laughs> on that. Got you. But the the soundtrack, they used like uh, Toots and the, the Maytals, uh, uh, 5446 was my number. The styling of it, like all of it felt authentic. It was like looking at our Jamaican uncles and grandmas and grandpas like in their youth, just like being the stewards of the culture that gave reggae and oxtails and all of that good mm. shit to the world um and so that has been giving me joy every time it pops up in my um my youtube feed i actually sit there and watch it again uh because it's just that like it's filling it's one of those things that i oh. think keeps us doing this work because we hope for the opportunity to do work where we get to not just show representation but get down into the nuance because i think some people will watch that spot and they're like oh this is this is fun. Look at the Jamaicans doing the reggae. Right? Well, here's the thing. well, here's the thing about that spot in particular, and I really hope everybody goes to look at it. Because um, that that I actually saw that shortly before I saw Rihanna's Run This Town spot from mm. Apple uh, for the Super Bowl. So that came wow, out at really? the same time. Mm. But here's the nuance that I said, y'all! Y'all know, and this is strictly for my diaspora folks, those who have families in a place that you may or may not call back home. Simeon, the drum, sending the drum the barrels. overseas <laughs> to your family yeah. with auditing all the things them, them, auditing them in the auditing barrels. them. Yep. All of That's it in there because you so have to send it back. That to me was like the huge nuance. That's how I knew it was real. Cause I was like, that's how we get stuff. That's yeah. how your cousins know that these are the jeans we're wearing. That's how your uncle them know these are the shoes we're wearing. That's how that's they get the fashion. TVs. That's how they get, it's the, mm -hmm. the, the traveling of the drum over the seas is so um, important to understand like the African diaspora. And I'm sure other people do it too, but that mm -hmm. is, that is the question. Like, send me something back. Make sure you mm -hmm. send something. Oh, you're coming? Make sure you bring something mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a part of the culture. And it was so nuanced. 
um, in a in a way where like you could look at it like, oh yeah, that's how they got the genes. But that's yeah. also a very specific experience yeah. that happens mm-hmm. when you have family from abroad. So I loved it for that reason. Yeah, I, I when I when I'm creating work like that, I usually call it like a cultural beacon because mm-hmm. even Ooh, if you're that. Listen, I'm here all day. That's why they pay me money. You know, <laughs> you, I wrote that down. <laughs> if you see that in a deck later, like like I live in I live in East Flatbush, right? And so there are moments where I'm like looking for specific things. And if I see a barrel inside of the grocery store, inside of the supermarket, I know that there's like pilori flour in there somewhere right and so to to bring those into a spot and i think that's that's part of the reason for diversity when you know when people talk about the business case for it is that you can't research that you can't like google somebody there somebody sat but i love that though because that means one someone was at the seat of the table two someone was senior enough to push that forward three Mm someone allowed it and said, no, this needs to be here because then that anchors the fact that we do have that wink to my Mm -hmm. Jamaican brethren, right? Like, so like when I think about, and it's hard for me to watch things now because I can't, I'm not a consumer, right? Like I'm already, like I can never turn off because I'm like, oh, they they did that, oh, that that was shot. Like uh, my kids are like, mom, you know? (laughs) But I love, I love what that signals for us marketers in the room. And I love culture being because you knew what it took to get that to the final yeah. cut. Yeah. And then on top of it, to also green light saying we're going to reach out to pay and bring aboard Melina. Y'all don't understand the hard because, you know, there's so many times sitting at the table where somebody will say, yeah, She's cool, but I know this other guy. My friend actually got an Oscar. So he's got an Oscar. Okay, he's got an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. So actually, that's who we should like. Yeah. Beautiful work. Yeah. Beautiful work. Yeah. You Most brought likely. up the Oscars. What where y'all at? Is it a dope or an eight? I didn't watch. That was so I'm just, it was ancient. Yeah, it was ancient. I just I just okay. caught the recaps. I mean, I think ultimately at the end of the day, with with these award shows that I think ultimately we give a lot of value to because of their legacy. Um, I was having a conversation with my coach yesterday, uh, shout out to Ronnie Dickerson, where, you know, in these moments of trying to temper our emotions, making sure that we're understanding the difference between what we value and what we're, what we're worth. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the negative reaction or our reaction is still because we look to some of these these award shows to determine our work because ultimately in the business that we're in back to the director right when they're trying to make a decision around who to hire and who to pay what they also look to these award shows for the validation right oh well if this is an academy award winner or if this is a can winner then of course they're worth the money and they're worth the investment and they're worth the risk and I think ultimately, like, we can still value those shows, but making sure that, like, we're still walking away with the understanding that we can only give ourselves the work that we desire. And so right. shout out to the NAACP Awards this year because it was very star-studded for, like, versus uh, a couple of years. I, I listen, saw, I was like, get it? Okay. Yeah, where you saw everyone from the A-list Black celebrities to the regular influencers. 
And so I think we're also in the moment where we're probably going to see that again at the BET Awards, where mm-hmm. it's it's going, maybe Beyonce will come back because there was a moment when she opened it every year for, yeah. Yeah. for a minute. Maybe. And so I think that there is, with everything that happened in 2020, that there's also an awakening again amongst us to make sure that we're showing up for each other and we're giving values to the things that are our legacy. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to chase shit, that but... that dope shit with the ain't shit, which is going to be real quick. But um, as we all know, uh, SVB crashed. And, um, I was just the, on the phone with my financial advisor. Absolutely. The, the peoples are not doing OK, but there there was a um, Wall Street Journal opinion article that came out that insinuated that the the crash was due to the company focusing on diversity. and. Um, Woke capitalism, they're telling us it's gonna kill us. Yeah, I, I think that Ooh. the the big takeaway is in 2023, y'all are still not shit. And y'all y'all still think that <laughs> you don't still, be pointing the finger at me, I'm dodging. <laughs> they still think that the idea of having diverse opinions in the table or valuing diverse opinions or diversity of thought. Or, or having people who are not white cis heterosexual men at the table is going to devalue the output of the business and it's somehow going to negatively affect the business. And I just wanna say the people who were at the table, it wasn't diverse. So they failed. <laughs> a non a homogenous group of people failed. And so I don't think that they, that pointing the finger at diversity is even a part of the conversation because ultimately the people at the table weren't diverse. They failed on their own accord. What they were saying. So I, so, so I picked up on that too. And I was listening to the, um, the daily shout out to the New York times or well, some of y'all, it's not yeah, 100%, yeah, well, times, some of them, um, but, but definitely the daily team. Um, and they were talking about what capitalism ESG and how, mm, you know, yeah. DE and I sustainability and all of that is becoming the new target of the, the let's call them the ultra conservative. Cause, cause mm. I don't think that every conservative is like that. I just think most of them are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of it is that they're saying that by banks and other businesses valuing diversity, you know, social impact causes as a part of business, it's hindering business from actually getting done because we should just be here to make money anyway. Is is this not capitalism? Are we just not here to make money? And mm-hmm. so by putting um, boundaries in place where you do have to focus on your gender ratios, your ethnic ratios, uh, ensuring that you're not adding too much more carbon to the atmosphere and that you're growing trees when you print paper or whatever, that somehow doing that is getting in the way of us focusing on what's best to for our investments and making money. And so therefore by you and your ESG getting in the way of capitalism, it's all your fault that the bank crash because the bank shouldn't be asking us about sustainability and racism. They should just be giving us money to make more of it. My God, if I've never seen another, like I've never seen blame or new reasons for a blame, like just be made up so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's everybody, but us It's because you care so much that we failed. Messed it's up. because you care so much that the bank failed. No, the bank failed because we've been in a state of 
teetering into recession since 2000 and since the beginning of 2020 mm-hmm. it's the end of 2019 if we really look at it mm-hmm. and for everybody that was out here benefiting off of those ppp loans and i'm specifically Maybe. talking about these same conservatives who were mm-hmm. taking money that we were did that was being dished out in that economy that's contributed to our inflation the inflation has contributed to how people are able to borrow businesses and people are able to borrow money. Mm-hmm. And that has devalued all of these damn banks. Yeah. So period. It's y'all. It's not, it's not, well, I got to stop saying us. I don't know, according to my financial advisor, that the us that I have in my head is the us. Is us. us real? <laughs> but, what but, talk about? but I'm talking about like, like the, the ethereal us, you know, the community. <laughs> It's not our fault as the as a caring community, as a society that is trying to push forward and be more progressive. It's the it's the the idea that by somehow saying fuck you to everybody else, make money, um, that is what breaks a bank like this. And mm-hmm. the difference is, thank God, since after the 2008 crash, there are a lot more boundaries in place mm-hmm. yeah. that we are able to kind of step in before it is total economic collapse. However, don't you dare blame all of the people who are just trying to have the same opportunities that y'all, the ethereal y'all, have had for centuries in this country mm-hmm. and in Europe. So there's that. Yeah. Live what so you got. What's going on in your world? <laughs> well, what was on my spirit this hmm. morning was how I take all that's happening and infuse it into my work and infuse it into my teams for the greater good of us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. us that we all know to be true. Mm-hmm. And I started to kind of think about that. And that's kind of what led me to send you my message. Cause I was like, because I care, mm-hmm. sometimes I risk my emotional mental because I care so hard. Mm-hmm. And I just wish sometimes I really should just be like, F it, do crazy yeah, shit, yeah. you know, but I just can't. And I was at BET, her in Atlanta and Tashonda, shout out to Tashonda. Um, let me get her, her proper name, president and CEO of TIAA, who said, I rent my title, but I own my character. Y'all, she said that mm-hmm. I was like, mm, I felt that Tashonda Brown Duckett. Thank yes, you. Tashonda yeah. Brown Duckett received the BT Her Awards and her speech. I was like, should I work for her? Because she got some, she was passionate. <laughs> but what she said, when she said that, it so resonated with me because, because we work in multicultural and DEI, and because we believe it's the right thing to do. And we're so tethered to this idea that I'm also representing my culture my community I fight so hard Mm -hmm. that I risk my own emotional stability Mm -hmm. to get them to see Mm -hmm. when at the end of the day there's only but so much that actually they corporate brands can really do and what is that balance? And as I was trying to reconcile that, I know my character is, I'm going to say the thing that needs to be said. I'm going to give you all the plays. I'm going to tell you this is what you should do. What you take with that, that's on you. And that's how I've been able to kind of reconcile that in my head with the balance of doing the right thing, fighting the fight, but at the end of the day, knowing there's only so much I can do. And then when she said, 
my character's mind, but I rent my title. It was, it, I mean, it was like the piece I needed to sleep because she understood the role she had to play. But at the end of the day, her character would never be tarnished because of the role. And as I continue to climb and be in these rooms, I realized that what I do is not who I am. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think in our position, we, we mix the two. Yes. And for emotional stability, you have to pull that apart mm-hmm. for the greater mm-hmm. good of your emotional stability. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's so interesting. And and with that, like, let's go ahead and start talking about it. So just to set it up for you guys, we're like the emotional labor. That's what we want to talk about. The emotional labor of, as as a leader that is required to do this work, that is required to be both considerate, but also revenue generating, that requires you to work within the confines of what exists while also pushing the agenda of what is to come or what should be progressively for this industry. Um, When you work, I I imagine, uh, Liv, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, when you work at the intersection of capitalism and culture, and 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 you also take on the responsibility and accountability as a culture protector, um, oftentimes, because our culture is actually who we are, right? Our culture, when I talk about my culture, I mean where my family is from. I mean my hair. I mean my skin. I mean my music. I mean my food. I mean the people that enjoy all of those things that I just mentioned with me. For me, that's my culture. It is very hard to stay disconnected from it but we have to to be able to pay for these damn houses to be able to pay for these homes we have to to go to the grocery store we have to to enjoy travel and to enjoy whatever luxuries that we can we can um engage with but Mm -hmm. like it's not easy being both Mm -hmm. business and being a a a real human it's really Mm -hmm. hard to do that yeah you know i think for me i'm 100% in alignment that it's really hard. And I struggle often with the, even the idea of separating it because, and Liv, you kind of hit on something earlier where you were talking about like watching the spots and not being able to just like enjoy it because you're constantly in dissecting like, oh shit, that's really cool. I think I know how they did that. I wonder how they did that. Um, And, and consuming things that become a frame of reference for the work that we do. But I think the thing that I, in the last couple of months, and I think this has been a a, um, sort of a collective effort between my therapist and the coach of creating margins and boundaries and making sure that I'm protecting them. And I think the thing where I've started to come to a resolve is that Ultimately, because we were raised the way that we were raised, and I I think I mentioned this the other day to to you, Kyle, like being such a part of hip hop and a steward of hip hop and knowing that at the core of it is a protest, right? That we, this culture that we love was born out of this desire to change the world or make a world in our image. Um, And so if you're a part of it and you, you really believe these values, and I think that we do because we're in almost well you know we're grown-ups big age (laughs) Um, and we're we're still we're still 
adhering to these values and these values informing our behavior that where I started to net out is that I can only do what I can do, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you start, and, and shout out to Ronnie Dickerson because like, I, I honestly think that everybody needs a coach because the thing that she was saying was like, everybody needs to do like this energy study, right? Like mm. not necessarily your physical, but like your mental. And I think we spend a lot of time thinking about work, especially when we get to a point where like, damn, this mortgage is mortgaging. And okay. we, <laughs> we need to make sure rates. that we're, we're maintaining it. Um, and so we're constantly in this space of like work being in the back of our mind but I've gotten to this point of, I really can only do what I can do. Right. I can only say the thing. And it is up to the person that is hearing the thing to receive it. And if you receive it, maybe I can say it one more time. Maybe we can have this conversation again, but ultimately there gets to a point where if I'm going to protect myself and have something left for myself at the end of the day, that I have to just, exhale and go it's not gonna happen and if we're talking about a specific job coming to the realization of are our values aligned and i think that this the thing that a lot of us are in a constant battle with is values and behaviors mm -hmm. and so if our values aren't aligned then it's like all right real talk with yourself this mortgage is gonna mortgage do i want to take the energy and go find another job or can I wait or can I wait or can I live off of my savings and I think when you start getting putting it down on paper and I think that's been the thing that's been helping me over the last couple of months of writing it down and going maybe I got a little bit more I can do this mm -hmm. that has helped me to sort of do less emotional labor and stop mm -hmm. stewing over stuff as much because Ultimately, the minute that you realize that somebody's values aren't in alignment with yours, and unfortunately, many of these companies or the people that are leading us, their values are not, yep. it's easier to say, fuck this shit, let's go to Dumbo House. Let's go to Dumbo House. <laughs> Lip, I'd love to get a sense from you because I, I almost kind of want to crystallize it for folks, but like, give us an example of where as a leader that you have had to, or that you have felt the emotional tax of doing the work and also doing the work. How long do we have? You, you got to pick up your kids. <laughs> oh, I, I do have a hard, you, you're right. I would say there have been specific, uh, it, in when the murder of George Floyd happened and I have to anchor it there, mm -hmm. it was a different different vibes it was so intense and the intensity was the calls it was like the begging come tell us what to do that it was so much it was scary mm -hmm. because it was like for real but then when you start asking questions questions you know the questions about what have you done? What's your ER? What's your internal hallways look like? What's your board look like? What's your ERG situation? To make sure your in your your internal structure is right first before you do the outward consumer facing work, we start to realize, oh, this is just talk. Mm -hmm. Oh, y'all, y'all just 
this is just a reaction to what you're seeing, but you don't really want to lean in. You don't really want to do that. And when you're balancing revenue and knowing what your business or what your job is and whether or not we lean on, lean in on this RFP and it wasn't even RFP. It was like, here, take the money. money. And it's like, (laughs) but thank goodness, at least the company I work for, our values align with mine where I'm like, nope. And we've been blessed enough to be able to say no to companies that do not align with our values, but also don't have the receipts yeah. to say that they can do an outward facing anything. And it's like, until you guys do these internal work, and we've been good about saying, these are the things that need to be table stakes within your organization before you can even think about a marketing campaign, talking mm-hmm. to the black diaspora about whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that is the constant emotional struggle for us with is not just my mortgage, but there's the company's mortgage and payroll yeah. and all of that. And the 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 risk of it all and the yep. responsibility to, to do the right thing. And do the right thing is actually one of our core values. And sometimes we've had to pass and mm-hmm. it's hurt. And I love that. So so to to crystallize it and and live, feel free to to add to it if yeah, you yeah. choose to but live works for one of the most amazing multicultural um agencies that exists to date uh within our industry yeah. and, and they are and they are prestigious can lion winners like like we are not like go, and emmy <laughs> and you guys have emmys like grand like, prix grand prix grand prix grand prix so, Chris, so like to crystallize that, that you are a leader, you are an executive I at am. a multicultural uh, uh, agency that also has been awarded um, um, l- lavishly from this industry for the work that you have done in both yeah. entertainment and advertising. And yet still with that, you find you and the team find yourselves in positions where people are asking you for something personal. And I don't think that a lot of our our let's call them partners, right? So, so I can keep myself in my bills, right? Yeah. The partners that come to us uh, to ask for support in cultural fluency, resonance, uh, understanding the different generations and, and, and um, ethnicities, et cetera, you're asking us for a piece of us, mm. right? Anytime we're put on it, you are asking me for a piece of my world. And I don't think that they understand the weight of that. And so to ask, uh, it's, it's like, it's like if we were going over to a partner's house and we said, you know, I just want to record something with your grandmother. Can I just like have some time with your grandmother? I want your grandmother to teach me some things. And then we go to the grandmother's house. We go in her refrigerator. We take some to drink and we walk back out. Everybody going to be mad that you wasted her time. You done took her resources. You didn't got her excited because she thought she was having company and you don't have no, now she don't have no company. And it's exploitative. It is always exploitative, but that is emotionally taxing because the nature of the work that we do is to exploit. We Mm. exploit to amplify because we either want someone to know more about the thing or to do more because of the thing. Mm. And it hurts. It hurts every time I leave leave DEI. I've been doing DEI as a job since uh, 2019. And since 2019, I, you know, I, I always find myself in these 
spaces where it's, I want to give everybody what they're asking for. I want to change your company, but I can't change your company when there are people who may not be, you know, at the top, like they're not always even at the top, but if there's anybody at any moment, at any level within an organization that doesn't agree with the thing that you're asking me to do, I can't do it. We yeah. all, it's like Power Rangers where we're, it's morphing mm-hmm. time and we got to move in lockstep. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. we're in the big machine robot person guy and anybody that's not moving their leg means we can't yeah. walk. If you're not mm-hmm. moving your arms, we can't yeah. walk. And that hurts because yeah. it feels often like failure or it feels like we can't really push forward to success in the corporate, uh, uh, corporate sense, corporate capitalistic sense. Like it often feels like a lose lose, and no, that's no. one of the that's one. Of, I'm so sorry. That's no, no, one go ahead, go ahead. of the signs. If your leadership is not about what you're trying to do, it was good to see you. Thank you. Have a coffee. You want mm-hmm. a snack? You want a snack? Because that's all I can give right now. I'm gonna. I I will say you could believe, and I've been in. I mean, I've had to talk to CEOs about prepping them for reparations before they get into a cool because they know that's going to be asked of them. And if you're not ready to like be able to have that kind of conversation and your leadership knows that kind of question is going to be asked, what are we doing here? And there are partners, my approach to relationship is to be able to help you. I need to be able to understand what the brief says, but what's that on the brief? Yeah. What's that on the brief that I need to know to help surround you with whatever you need to go share? Because a lot of the mm-hmm. times the people who we are talking to and counseling have to go sell it themselves. And so if we're not lockstep, if we're not partners for real, is no agency client, then it's not necessarily going to be the best because it can't be transactional. You're trusting me. And then these people, they're, it's their jobs. You're trusting me with your livelihood. Help me help you. Right. And so that is actually the shift as I talk to, and I'm not a day-to-day anymore, but that is when you're working with me, we establish that trust and you understand, oh, she's a different kind of client relations person. Because we could be saying something on the phone, but I'm texting you like, it's cute over there, but we're going to have to have an offline about some of the things in here. Mm-hmm. And that actually happened so much in our business where there's the, there's what happens. And then there's the after call, the late night thing, because you want the person in that you're partnered with to go do well. Cause you know, at the end of the day, it's, it signals back to you. Yep. That is emotional taxing too, because it's like, law is that's your back. I gotta watch your side and your side. And and, and I was wa- I was watching was it Tracy Ellis Ross on the shop talking about oh, you yeah. fight so hard to push the program and the initiative, and by the time you're getting ready to execute the thing, you're so tired. Tired. That like it's not even really gonna be great because you're just like we're here. Mm. It's like you know mm. I not always because then I probably wouldn't be in the position I am but I sometimes Mm -hmm. wish that the roles weren't reversed but that the culture was reversed where like the Mm -hmm. dominant culture right not just the people but that the people who are using elements of culture to push their products brands 
you know, recruit people into it that we were that we were actually like pulling from their culture, whatever that is, um, that we were pulling from <laughs> their culture and exploiting that area of culture because I think this is like the one one of the very few spaces where we can truly say like you don't understand what it's like to be me in this role because mm-hmm. you don't come from a position where the only currency you have is culture you don't come from a position where your you know your body parts or the shape of your body parts are commodified for 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 commercial usage and when you don't have that that tie that emotional tie or that that spiritual tie to like things about you that your business is using to make money you don't understand how like it kills us when you when when we're asked to say something do something fix something that is in complete misalignment with who we are as as business leaders Mm -hmm. um and because there are people that will never know what that feels like and they are still um, in in both macro and micro spaces of power. I, I specify micro because I think it's important for people to know it's not just CEOs. Mm-mm. Like it is your head of, it is your head of project management. It is going to be your head of employee relations. It could be your head of office management. Like anybody that has any access to making something happen or not happen as a person in power. And anytime a person with power asks us to do things in conflict with who we are as people, which is quite often like brings an emotional pain to, to, to being who we are, because now we have to choose between our livelihoods and our integrity. Mm-hmm. And why do I and why do I always have to choose between my livelihood and my integrity? Because my livelihood is actually tied to a, an actual dollar amount that needs to be satisfied monthly. Mm-hmm. So it can't just be go get another job. Mm-hmm. It has to be an equitable or more job. And yeah. that's not mm-hmm. easy. No. I mean, I think one thing too here that I feel like I'm picking up on is that what we often define as personal isn't the same across the board. And I think that's like a big disconnect because even when we're talking about right now, like the emotional labor of it all, we can use those same words and go have that conversation and somebody just wouldn't, they just wouldn't get it because the things is, it's almost like when you're talking about going into the fridge, right? the idea in our culture walking into somebody's grandmother's house not saying hello going into her fridge and pulling out a drink drinking it and then walking out the door is like a cardinal sin yeah like right so so and uh, everybody here is like having heart palpitations that's even thinking about walking walking into somebody's house house and not speaking and, and, and doing that and so i think that this is often why i feel like one of the things that you're hitting on Liv, is that it's not just a, it's not taking a pill and everything's okay, right? There has to be this long-term commitment. And for everybody on this call, like even though we're having this conversation in this, in this brief amount of time, the the labor started a long time ago. Like mm-hmm. we, what, what we're bringing to the table is often can't be quantified because since the beginning of our careers or since the time that we started existing in, um, mixed company, whether that was in school, we've been doing a version of this emotional labor mm-hmm. and they haven't had to do it. So when we're walking into 
these rooms and having these conversations trying to boil down uh, not even just a lifetime experience, but a, a, the lifetime of the culture's experiences into a conversation. I think it's hard for them to to understand the magnitude of what it is that we're trying to share and why it is so heavy. And when we think about 2020 as being like this catalyst, and I think it's like at this point, it's like before 2020 and after 2020, the majority of us are extremely tired because it's not just the conversations that we're having trying to sell through values at work. It's also the conversations of just being other in this world and navigating these spaces where there's a whole group of people who are now having, who want to have these hearts and minds conversations, but don't want to change the systems that will um, sustain whatever is changed within hearts and minds. So let's do two things. Let's, let's do a round Robin of calling out things that let's say our, our business partners in general, the whole mm-hmm. Adland ecosystem do that, that tugs on that emotional le- labor and then I want to do another round robin of like, so how do we cope? Because I think, you know, Liv, one of the things I think is in, in, an important nuance about this second round of Mixed Company podcast is like, you know, Simeon and I have been looking to you guys. Like you you have been, you got here before we got here. But now that we're here as like leaders together, it's like, how do we sustain, right? Because as we continue to work to build generational wealth, mm-hmm whether we are entrepreneurs or working for someone, this is always going to be a thing that happens Mm -hmm. because our culture, the the way we live our lives is the thing that gets sold, bought Mm -hmm. and sold on the capitalistic market, right? Mm -hmm. So how do do we cope as leaders is going to be really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's start with like the things that folks are doing so that they know specifically when Mm -hmm. you do this, it hurts. Stop doing it. So I'll start. Stop asking to learn more about how you can contribute and do better with your diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging activities if you know damn well that either you or anybody in your organization is going to say no to anything. You have to be 100% ready to say, yes, I have asked for the help and I will receive the help. You cannot say I'm not gonna give money to that. You cannot say I don't have time to hire for that. You can't say I don't have the infrastructure to strategize for that. You cannot say I I, I can't prioritize that right now because we have all of these other things because if you are going to say no to anything, it means that you are not ready and you have to be holistically open. So don't ask us for help if you actually are not ready to receive the help. Mm -hmm. This is not a consultation. This is a shift in culture. Very different. That's mine. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, and I hope this comes out the right way, uh, requiring access to people's personal space in order to for them oh. to achieve success. Um, and I think that has be, become, we've talked about this before in the past where it's um, more about the social level. I don't, I don't know anything about Tamika. Like, I, 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 like she doesn't share anything about her life. And I think one of the things that's happened with this new age of working where we're literally in each other's houses right now as we speak, that it's created this, 
this side need of wanting to be a part of someone's life without necessarily doing the work or creating or understanding yourself in order to make sure that your access isn't that your access is safe for that person. And I think we're seeing a lot more of it, especially now as as companies want to say they want to lean into DEI, that they want this this unequal access or this weird kind of access to the space of people who aren't part of the dominant culture and not giving it is having a negative impact on people's careers. And I feel like that's something Mm. that Mm. needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. I could stop right there. I would say fund the creative idea. Just fund it. Mm. Yeah. Blind relatively blindly too. (laughs) Yeah. But and and also making sure that it's equitable, right? So funding the creative idea of of non-white people, of LGBTQ, of, of women. The same way that you fund that the gen pop idea, the general pop idea. I can't even say it because so let, I can keep let me my, say it since I'm so I can live here, so I can live here still. Right, so we can still. So live we, you say luxury. So we can still yes, because yeah, I, it is. It is so when it when you see it in your yeah. face because we and you're like yeah for for reals. For real. Yeah. It's it is unequitable in how they fund multicultural ideas and how they want them to perform versus their white counterparts. They want two dollars to perform the same way that two hundred dollars works, um, and they want the same results, and it's not equitable. And un- unfortunately for us, because we have been taught to stretch a dollar, that is unfortunate a part of our culture is to figure out how to make it work. Doing that mm-hmm. over and over and over again is mm-hmm. unfair emotional labor because mm-hmm. we're constantly starting from behind the line and you're expecting us to get to the finish line at the same time as our counterparts. And we actually, and be, at the t- not just the dollars, but the timing. And yeah. you know what's horrible about it is we kill it. Yeah. It's so dead. We we it's done done that it's like oh so yeah you could do it you know but we it's almost like a catch twenty two if you if you don't be successful then it's like well or not and then you kill it then you prove out that it can be done and so you're stuck in this. Now that's the standard. That's the precedent. Well, why would I pay you a million? Like I pay everybody else. If I know you can, if I know you can kill it. And so now when I actually have time, enough time to do something, I'm shook. Cause I'm like, how do I, how do I even already have what I need? What's next? I don't have to fight no more. Now what? Yeah. 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 So what about coping? Coping. Like, you know, how do you, how do you, continue to do this like I know you have reasons to do this you have people that depend on you but like what what are your coping mechanisms so I take um what what I call um I'm trying to give you guys the the right it's almost kind of like a clarity break Mm. I actually sometimes remove myself from culture where mm. I don't, I don't watch certain things. I'm not as engaged in social. And 
it feels like, oh my God, I'm missing out, but that's the only way I can keep my sanity because I don't know how to separate being a consumer and a marketer because I'm always working in this space that I have to take the clarity break to be able to pour back into myself. And if I miss it, I just happen to miss it. And I'll, I'll get the recap and I have to be okay with the miss. I have to know that there is no social thing. There is no like, oh my God, you miss watching the BET awards. Oh my. You have to be okay with not being a part of the conversation mm-hmm. to protect your sanity in some cases. Mm-hmm. I also have been able to remove the emotion. I no longer am so desperate for you to fall in love with my idea, my culture. It's this is me. Mm-hmm. I'm giving it to you. It's I don't take it as a level of rejection anymore. I understand. Mm. It's like mm. I, it's like somebody you know so much the no doesn't even hurt you anymore. It's like got it next. And sometimes even when you don't show the emotion of the okay, thank you. Yeah. Oh wait, you don't want to know why? Is I it don't. All right? I don't. <laughs> even even that level of mental. I need to hurry up and get to the next. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. So I have another call. Thank you for your time. I'll send you the deck. It was good, good to see you because even trying to understand why that didn't work, et cetera, is also emotionally taxing as a form of kind of like punishment that I do wrong and maybe if I would have said we would have done this one thing and give me like counsel is great but I already know yeah it's it's, I've removed the emotion other things I I'm going to say it I'm my team almost looks to me as a person is going to say the brave bold thing like I'm almost the person I'm calling out the elephant in the room mm-hmm. I'm I'm I've been empowered to do it and in order for me to sleep at night in order for me to continue I'm gonna say the thing yeah because that's what you actually want me to say and then make of it what you want Agreed. I, I I have to I, I don't know how to not be that anymore I I think it also comes with just being in the business for so long that I realized mm-hmm. I just gotta say it but I also have the emotional intelligence to understand that I'm dealing with humans Mm. Mm -hmm. and they have something at stake Mm. and there are conversations beyond me that if I don't know it and they're making that decision, I understand they're come from. I'm empathetic in that way. And at the end of the day, it's a job. Right. Unfortunately, but fortunately, and I have had the wisdom and I've seen it just, I'm just, do, I'm doing this for 20 years that there comes a point when you realize, oh, <laughs> you're doing it because it's a bullet on the memo. Got right. it. So by leaning, if I'm not, even I'm doing it right. If I'm like, oh, you'll see me like, oh, like my body shifts. I'm like, okay. And I'll take the note and I move over. I, I create a space to hold myself. I create, I allow to sit in the hurt because sometimes I love the idea. Sometimes I so want the partner to do well and I'm so disappointed in their choice. Yep. And I plan for the aftermath of the hurt. 
Yep. Like if I have a big presentation, I plan for whatever, whatever is a high or a low, I make room for that. I create boundaries. This I have two phones. <laughs> so if Did I'm the song people, go off in your head, Simeon, because the song went off and I got two phones, one for the and one for the <laughs> I have two phones. The work phone, I hide it sometimes intentionally because I am such I go hard. I don't even know if I'm goals because my level of work ethic and how I approach business is just so different that like I have to hide the phone from myself because there's ideas come at all crazy times that and I'm a creative like I'm a account person but I think creatively that I have to check it even my emails have like if you get this email at a weird time don't feel any pressure to respond or engage I I just need to get it out and I don't trust like that like auto send email so I'm just gonna send it but trust I don't expect you to write me back. I just had to get it out because it was just so good. That's a joke. I love it. I yeah. Love it. So, and I stick to my boundaries. I've gotten really good because once you you have to you hold your boundaries, like you the no is the no, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I, I I struggle with it still. I've been doing this for I and I the boundaries have to be the boundaries for your sanity. Because creative ideas don't come if you're stressed out, if you're trying to do so, like, it's just not going to happen. Um, I mean, I I can go on, I can elaborate, but. I mean, I I, I I love that. I'll I'll share this. Like I had a, I had a 2020 was an interesting time. And I, I had a moment when I was working with Judy Jackson, shout out to Judy Jackson and everything that she's contributed not only to this industry, but to a lot of uh, a, a lot of professionals that I work with even today, like over the course of her career. And mm-hmm. uh, it was August and it was, you know, we are in the, the throes of, you know, the others being awoken, awakened to police brutality. Mm-hmm. We are in the throes of um, uh, Lebanon had just had their explosion. Oh. And I knew we had offices uh, in Lebanon and, and, you know, it's still the pandemic and can't go outside the, like people outside, but they still dying like in droves. And so it's like a scary oh. time. And, you know, I became so enveloped in just the emotion of being in a, in a role where I ha- not only do I need to care about what's happening here, but there's so much happening in the, in the world. And I was, you know, asking Judy, like, I want to, I need to get in touch with the people that are in these places in Lebanon, in these places, you know, this is my job. I need to make sure they're okay. I need to make sure they're okay. And I just became completely overwhelmed. Um, to the point where Judy called me one day. She was like, um, I need you to take the next two weeks off. And I was like, I don't need, to, I mean, sure, but like, I don't need to. She's like, no, no, I want you to take two weeks off and I don't want to hear from you. Like, honestly, and it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's because you're taking on too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the part of this story that I don't share with anyone is that um, I'm so glad I took that time off because I actually had two classmates, uh, two, two good friends, classmates um, pass away mm. uh, within days of each other that week, that those, within those two weeks, she gave us oh, all. Wow. And I, I, I say all the time, like, I don't know how I would have managed those losses with all of the losses that yeah. were not as personal to me leading up to that time. Mm-hmm. Um, if Judy didn't tell me to take the time off and what 
mm-hmm. I was crying about during this time. I was like, how much should I care? Like I care so mm-hmm. much. It is so natural to me to care about everyone and everything. I would, I would give my house up if somebody really needed it for something. And um, I just kept asking like, to what end should I be caring? To what capacity should I be caring? Um, and I too was getting coached at the time and, and kind of where we landed in, in answering that for myself was care about the things that you can change. Live to your point, what I can change is ensuring people are informed. I can't make anybody do, and I can't always move somebody's hand to do something. Right. I can make sure I say the thing. Right. And so for me, how I've been coping since then, because that was a very rough time, it was a very rough month, Mm -hmm. is just focusing on that. I'm really good at making sure people have the information, making sure they have resources, making sure they know how to cite their sources, making sure that it is clear. I'm a hell of an outline writer. I love an outline and bullet points to make things clear. I can truncate a paragraph into four words to make sure that we're like, those are skills that I have. And so that is my boundary. If you choose not to move forward and do the thing that you know is right, that's between you, your God, and your therapist. Yeah. But literally changing hearts and minds, absolutely not. Not what I'm focused on. Um, and and for me, that has given me some reprieve mm-hmm. uh, over the years. Is like I, I can only do what I do because I still have to take care of myself. So that's 100%. been my coping sense because I got a big heart I don't got a slick mouth but I got a big heart too and a lot of people don't recognize that like that sets us apart from a lot of everyone doesn't have a heart that big Mm -hmm, you can't mm -hmm. force them to either but do what you can so for me it's keeping people informed dropping the mic and walking away also dropping a mic gives a really good theatrical element Mm -hmm. to any conversation so Or just hit leave. Leave. Go, uh, <laughs> oh, oh my God, dude. It's, it's a you way can we can't move over. slam the phone no more. You can't right? slam it, so it's so the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you also said moving hearts and minds are also trying to make partners happy. Mm-hmm. I can't make you happy. I can't make you yeah. happy. What, what we mean what, our objective? You gotta be you happy the If you can't well, make yourself happy, how you gonna? You can't. Make and so I, and that is when I talk to my team, I and there's this. I'm building leaders. When I, I don't know about bosses, leaders they yeah. coach, they ask, they rely on goodwill. Right? They're like, how am I helping the greater good? They say, let's go. So if I'm building leaders, things I'm giving them are tools to be able to do the work without me. And so when I hear, what well, I just want the client to be happy, I was like, oh, not a mm. job. Mm, and it's a lot of the mindset stuff, even as I think about coaching younger women, like, do you think all of this is not, isn't like there are little cues that you do to just it's so crazy. Take, it's almost like the screen comes down. It's like we're, mm-hmm. we're right here with each other. And you know, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to understand what are the goals and objectives of your program? Yeah. And if I don't know what that is, then we need to figure out that first before I can make anything. So aligning even on that is a, a boundary and a, and a working principle because you could just be spinning if we're not all on the same page about where we're going. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, what about you? Yeah. 
out. Yeah. Um, I would say that the way that I cope is that at this point in my life, I don't expect everyone to get it. I don't expect them to see it the way that I do. I don't expect them to mm-hmm. care about it the way that I do, because ultimately my experiences are my own. Um, mm-hmm. That's what allows me to see the world the way that I do it. And so I can't give you my growth. Like I can't give you my evolution. I can't give you um, how I've how I've translated certain situations. And so that allows me to give people space and grace to be ignorant, to <laughs> not be the person that I need them to be, not be the partner that I need them to be in order to achieve the things that I want to achieve in my career. And so when I assess these these situations, these engagements, these interactions, um, it allows me to apply value in like a really objective way, not for the value of myself, but for data points. Because Mm -hmm. now I can say like, okay, so this is the data that I get to take away from this situation. I know how you move. I know what type of person you are. I know what type of client you are. I know what type of brand you are because your your words and your behaviors are doing this. They're either in alignment with your values or they're not in alignment with your values. And that ultimately allows me to protect my worth and my sanity because if I'm looking at it through that lens, even the no doesn't become a reflection of the value of my work. It doesn't become a reflection of the value of my ideas. It's just that we don't have the same values and we don't have the same goals and we don't have the same objectives. And quite frankly, I'm good at what the fuck I do. So um, if you've walked away from looking at these insights that are, that were gathered um, to protect you and to uh, grow your, your brand and you don't see it the way that I do, cool. Somebody else will. You're creating space for the next opportunity. Abundance. Abundance. And this is a this is crazy because like Simeon, if we're honest with ourselves, when we started the podcast five, six years ago, however many years now, I feel like we've been saying five, six years for like three years, but whatever. <laughs> as, however long as you know how you wrote that outline for talk points, might need to get to talk points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like when we started, we started this podcast out of that frustration, out of that emotional frustration of not you know what I'm saying? And like the growth in that is like this podcast too, like live you sending the text message, us starting the podcast to be able to have these conversations out loud. Like somebody's going to hear it. Not everybody's yeah. going to do something with it, but like to say the thing, mm-hmm. because, you know, time before we, any of us were doing this work, there were people who felt like they couldn't say it and yeah. they couldn't mm-hmm. do it. We yeah. get, we have the opportunity to alleviate some of that stress by at least saying it out loud. So I am always grateful for this space and you all, I've called both of you at many a random times be like, y'all, what in the hell <laughs> happening? In and shout out, I don't even know to me if you know the story, but I got this random text from a guy and she was like, you got a second? You know, when that always comes, I always like, oh, something's up. Right. So she mm-hmm. calls like, um, I'm not, I'm not sure if you saw this creative and it was a creative that one of my teams reviewed. And she's like, I just, did you see it? And I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't see it, but what's up? And when those calls happen, you don't know if it's like, oh, did my team do something? Did the client, like whatever it was, mm-hmm. but you approach it with such grace and humility. And like, I just want to let you know, like you were protecting me so that I was like, let me go find out what is happening. And I just want to, publicly give you your flowers for that because it could have been like girl your team is crazy but it so wasn't 
and my team was was fine and they provided the same level of, but it was just a level of like let me reach out to a, a friend to give mm-hmm. her a heads up and protect her her character her team her work her reputation mm-hmm. and you know I, I think I said that to you if I didn't I must have been running crazy but oh, that yeah. was that landed yeah. so well and I always remember that and I always mm-hmm. remember that. Um, so shout out to you, boo. I just be happy you answer. You be answering your phone, and and <laughs> we walk That's those true. lines. We, I mean, we walk these lines. I've known you for years, longer than where I'm at now, and like we walk these lines where it's like, again, what am I protecting? Where is my integrity? Is the work more important? Is the relationship more important? How do we help each other? And so. Yeah. Having these, having communities, somebody asked before, like, what, what advice would you give, you know, people coming up in the industry? Of all the advice I give, the the, the primary one is like, create that village. Yeah. And, and they don't always have to be in front of you, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a it's a group chat or whatever mm-hmm. kids do in these days. Mine was always a group chat of like, mm-hmm. am I crazy? Mm-hmm. No, we're not crazy hey, what would you say if this happened to you? Yeah, you might need to run. That sounds, that sounds, you know what I'm saying? Like those, those spaces of communities where we're able to kind of validate the fuckery that we experience in the day-to-day of being marketers is so important. And like you reaching out, Liv, us having this platform, all of the people that we engage with really do help with the emotional labor or, or help shouldering the weight of the emotional labor um, because we are professional manipulators and just in theory, Damn, like, but don't oh, make it sound like, like that. I mean, it's true. It's good in the world. It's what we do, but like, you know, at some point, like it gets to your head. So it's really good to be able to blow off some of that speed, that's that steam and air out some of that stress with folks who, who give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and also to your point, Kat, we can manipulate the situation to do good at certain moments. We can. So yeah, it's we can. it's, oh, we it's, it's we all can. about how we use it. It is. It is. Yeah. Sometimes wow. we blow it up. I've seen Sometimes. times I'm like, see me and I'm about to. I'm about to. Air it out. Air it out. Air it out. Well, listen, this has been a really good convo to a really interesting week for all, for everybody. I haven't spoken to anybody that hasn't said, thank God it's Friday. Um, So shout out to everybody feeling that today or whenever you listen to this. Liv, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being who you are in this industry and the work that you and your team put forth. Um, Sim, I'll see you later. Um, later I don't get the glorious outro but it's all good <laughs> but also you guys know where to find us on all of the streaming platforms where you catch your podcast we be there too um, and yeah it's another episode of Mixed Company Podcast holla at y'all later yep. later Liv. <laughs>